Alright, the tape is rolling, the light is on, you're in the two-man booth with Nick Good. And Neil Conker. And this is your podcast where we talk sports, movies, TV, sometimes music. Neil, it's Sunday night slash Monday morning slash Monday afternoon slash whenever you're listening to this. But this is our sports episode and football is now over, Neil. So we have to completely refigure, reconfigure the uh structure of the show because the otb schedule because the the thing yeah we are off the bench i should mention that because here's the thing with football just like the schedule itself it's it's routine right you have it every week it's true we 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 convene on mondays we can review the week we could we had all of our segments and now it's just going to be i think a bit of a grab bag for the next couple weeks till we ease into another groove figure out our full structure but of course, because we're Edmonton based, we're Yag based in the middle of a polar vortex. Well, tail end of a polar vortex, actually. It has finally been lifted, the extreme cold warning. There you go. So we are uh, Edmonton Oilers first and foremost. So let us jump into the opening draw and get to some Oilers talk, Neil. Damn, my fast. Did you even see me? I was so damn fast. Kids are winning. Um. Okay, so this past week, as I said, we're recording this at the end of the week. So I think what we're kind of going to do is review the week that was and then preview the week to come. Mm -hmm. So we played the Ottawa Senators back-to-back in Ottawa to, you know, looking back, the score will tell you fairly close victories, but they weren't really ever that close, it felt like. 3-1 and 3-2. Yeah, the 1-3-2 game, they didn't play very well. No, they did not. Koskinen made 42 saves. Um, they did like, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, for sort of advanced metrics, I remember seeing the dry side of line, something along the lines of like zero chances created or something. Like, yeah, there was some, there was some pretty crazy, uh, statistics going on in that, uh, second let's, game against Ottawa. Let's get uh, stats and research on that. Give me one yeah, sec here. I had just seen, uh, you know, cause someone had mentioned, uh, in a, in a group chat I'm in, they were like, mm, is, he's having a bit of a rough game. Um, actually, so the, we, so what are you going to say? Oh, so the Senators in, so this is the second game, the 3-2 game. Uh, Oilers, as far as Corsi goes, possession slightly edged them in the first period. But yeah, second and third periods, it was all Senators. Mm-hmm. 73% Corsi, 81% Corsi. Yeah. Expected so. goals percentage, 79.29 and 68.53. That's not good, guys. That's that's just that's not good. No, and I and I and I think if you were to watch the game, you'd think like, yeah, we got we got away with one, which was nice because really this year we haven't got away with anything. I think for the most part, as we've watched with the others. Wow. Yeah. We, sorry, I'm I'm looking at this. I didn't look at this. Usually, I look at it after the game. Okay. I was. Okay, so Corsi four zero for Cahoon, zero for Cahoon yeah. Dry Settle Yamamoto zero in twelve minutes. Of five on five, 12 and a half minutes, five on yeah. five, zero, zero, cor- zero course, C4, 16 against. Yeah. That's a relative course percentage of minus 42. I don't think I've ever seen that before for like yeah. a second line. Well, for like someone that's up there in league leading for points, scoring chances, zero to 11. Yeah. That's what, yeah. This is what I was saying. High so. danger Corsi zero to five. Well, yeah. They got absolutely destroyed. Just rolled. And yeah. like. You would look at that and be like, "We would never win a game like that," and we somehow did. So, those yeah. are the those are the ones you take. You you take and you move on to the next day. Cause. It's so funny. You look at whenever you look at possession numbers with Connor, like his his Corsi and stuff like that's never relatively high compared to where you would think it'd be to be such a dominant player. But it's because when he's on the ice, it's like fire wagon hockey, and every time <laughs> you see it, it's like they his line will usually edge out the opponent, but it's close and it's high. So like this yeah. game, 13 to 12 in Corsi four against <laughs> uh, scoring chances, seven to four high danger, four to two. Right. So it's usually that dry saddle Cahoon Yamamoto line is a little bit more dominant because they get, I think the better matchup a lot of the time, but, and then I think even the style of play dry yeah. saddle really is more of like a cycle player uses his passing. Absolutely. Connor does, of course, too, by times. But Connor, I mean, it's off the rush. I mean, it's no surprise. Yeah. Right? And that's where you said, like, you can have a quick transition because if anybody misses something off the rush, well, then it goes back the other way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you watch the game, you see that, too. But but what happens is that when McDavid decides to be the one going up the ice, it's 
visually it's uh it's pretty beautiful to watch truthfully so we kind of got sidetracked there with some but uh, i guess it kind of feeds into what i was going to ask you neil is what were some observations some positive observations you had from the the three games well to me that was it is that for once you know i think early in the season depth you know yeah that was one but is that they won a game that they didn't really play that well oh okay i see a little bit of yeah yeah, a little bit of puck luck, a little bit of, um, for once, they had a couple bounces uh, go their way. Not that they always get them against. I don't want to make it sound like that. But I would, say, oh, I would say anytime, especially early there, anytime they were making a mistake, puck was right in the back of the net. Um, and it, it, even Tippett, I had heard, you know, because I've had to listen to my fair share of games on the radios, I've been able to hear Tippett often in post game, and he was kind of saying that. that uh, the you old know, overtime open line. Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> well, I get to the Dave Tippett part and then I cut it off because I can't handle when the viewers call in. Mm. I think I've already had a rant on here about, oh, baby, don't. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. I would snap. We mean you were talking about this. I don't think we could do it. I don't think we could. Mm. I would probably. You mean if we hosted it? Yes, I'm saying. Yeah. No, no. chance. <laughs> no chance. There's absolutely no way. Um, but no, I've heard Tippett, and he he was kind of saying that he's like, you know, I don't want to fault the players. You know, they're working hard for me. Basically, they're doing what I'm asking. But you know, they are having some mental lapses and some things are happening, and it's going in our net almost every time. And he's you know, he kind of had mentioned that once those start to turn around, I think the record will start to follow. And sure enough, it seems that is what happened in this past week. I really noticed that too. Is that like? <clears throat> And then they tightened it up. So then you get a couple wins like that. Maybe say you get out of the one with Ottawa when you're like, whew, you know, you kind of, you've played four games against them in five games. Yeah. You know, four out of five were against the same opponent. You get out of there with a win and then you move on to Montreal and you probably have your best game or pr- close to your best game that you've had all year. You catch Montreal on a back to back, but Montreal had looked good. But then they, you know, they were kind of showing some cracks and you took advantage of it, which I like to see. That was kind of nice. This, you know, you kind of saw that Montreal was a little bit in of a, uh, a valley, if you will, and and we kept them in there, which was nice to see. So that was kind of my biggest takeaway. And like you said, it was it was the depth scoring. It wasn't Connor and, and Leon this past week. Do you, would you say? Uh, do you think it's more of an advantage to like with 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 the the repeating of opponents so frequently especially this baseball style series right two three games two twos and stuff if yeah. you're Arizona and St. Louis you're playing seven times um crazy do you think it's more advantageous if you're trying to get off of a losing streak or if you're trying to maintain some momentum like do you think it helps yeah like I, I, what, does I'm it help try- the team that's trying to get out of the? That's what I, I'm trying to. Fr- I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to phrase this the proper way. Like if you're if you're the Canucks, for example, and you're kind, you're really fighting it, right? Like on Saturday night they were playing the Flames. They had almost 50 shots and they barely won, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and they've just been fighting it all year. Is it? And like e- Ottawa has too, right? Yeah. Do you think it's? Do you think? Ah, I almost think that it makes it harder to break out of that because you're just like. You mm-hmm. normally, when you're on that a uh, bit of a bit of a schneid, bit of a losing streak, it's like it helps if to you know go on an Easter Eastern road trip, right? Let's go through New York and try to you know get out of the West and get out get away from Anaheim and the LA teams or so the California teams, and you know get a bit of a that was the most Canadian thing, yo, you know. Um, but get get out get out to the East Coast and tr- and just see different things and and be on a different schedule and stuff like that, but. I don't know. I almost think that it, once you're, maybe that's why Ottawa is in the in the rut they're in, and Vancouver mm-hmm. is a little bit. It's it's, it's nice that we've kind of gotten ourselves out of it a bit. But well, I think that's a. I think maybe in the back of our heads, that's what we were concerned about early. Is that you're like, man, if you start losing to teams, and you mm-hmm. just all of a sudden a team just has your number in this division. Yeah. Like, how are you going to get out of that? Because yeah. you have to play them eight, nine times, eight, nine, ten times. So. Yeah, you know, I at first I was going to be like, no, I almost think it'd be easier. But now I, I actually, you know, taking a step back, I would say that it, it is going to be hard. Because you're right, there's, you know, you're only changing scenery six times and it's all through right. Canada, you know? You're yeah. not, and, you know, in fairness, you know, for the Canadian division up to this point, they really haven't had any of the same struggles that 
some of the other divisions have had, which wasn't unforeseen. I mean, we just don't have the population that the States does. Got a little touch and go there for the Oilers, though, before the A little bit, a little inconclusive, but yeah. in the end, it was like, no, he didn't actually have it, so... But it was just one of the. It was a. It was a. It was a bated breath moment because you're like, oh, sure. oh or is it Uh-oh. finally coming? Right? Did it finally hit the north? Is uh, that what they're? Uh, you know, I didn't even think about that. Is that what they're saying though? Is because of population density why it hasn't been as much of an issue in the north? Well, yeah, and then like North we have Division. Sorry, Scotia and, North and, Division. Yeah, and we have different uh, restrictions, of course. Mm-hmm. Right, each province mm-hmm. has different ones. Like, but for the most part, we've been. And nothing, you know, as you would know, we've only just recently opened stuff too. So if you right. are the Oilers, for the last month, there's been nowhere to go, even if oh, you were here. It worries me a bit, to be honest. I, and I will say that. <laughs> me too. Because like, they're just like any else. They're, they're, I mean, they're like can, any young man with a lot of money or young young person with a lot of person. money. They like, they like yeah. to have fun. It's, if you if you live in the city, you're, you, you're you well know. aware that if, they like to have if fun. If you know, you know. Yes. So So we'll see. But um, yeah, I, I so I do think to go back to what you were asking there, yeah, it could be tough. I think you're right. Maybe that's why Ottawa, all you saw, lose eight in a row. Maybe that's why you see Vancouver lose six in a row. Man, because, was it eight because in a row the that Vancouver, they ended up losing? Yeah, the Senators, I think. Oh. And then, but you know, you play in Vancouver, like oh, you lose six in a row. But it's like you play the Leafs like four times there, and the yeah. Leafs are just owning you. And then you can't get out of that rut. And then yeah. the Leafs all of a sudden jump to an eleven-two-three record because they just beat up on the Canucks for four games. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, yeah. so it can go both ways that like one team, if, if you do just like, I mean, the others, Hey, we used Ottawa to get out of that same rut, you know, like all of a sudden we played Ottawa and we won four games and then they go play Montreal. And it's like, you finally found a rhythm. So, you know, I think you can go on big runs either way because you are playing yeah. the same teams over and over again. You're right. I think for a season series, you'd be like, oh, you know, they went three and three or something in a normal season. But this year, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, like, say, even just as an example, like Toronto, what if they just beat Vancouver like eight and one or something? And it's just like you just got eight wins, like, off the one team. That's 16 points you got off of one other I'll, team, you know? Yeah, I'll be curious to know. Like, for all we know, the Oilers could go. Eight no against the Senators, right? Like or nine and zero or whatever. Yeah, like I'll, that's I'll be, a very real possibility. I'll be curious to see if there's a team that just has a te- other team's number for the entire entire season. Entire season, yeah. Right. So, hmm. yeah, it's just been uh, it's been an interesting one. But as you said, you know they look to be out of their rut. They played played well. Do you want to touch on uh, Mike Smith at all as you crack open your neutral? <laughs> Thank you, Neil. It's a- <laughs> No oh, free sorry. ads. No free ads. Sorry, no free ads. Sorry, you, your vodka flavored my, my drink. My spiked seltzer. There you go. Let's just say it's been a long week, listeners. Yeah, and that's right. No kidding. Enjoying a enjoy, enjoying a spiked seltzer. But um, yeah, do you want do you want to touch on what I said? Because I I sure don't want. To, so. <laughs> well, Neil, I was gonna, I was going to touch on two positives. Uh, one one I was going to antagonize you with Mike Smith. Um, so I don't want to hear it. I'm I guess I'll start there. You got to admit the guy has been. Solid it's been great to start the year. Two games. To his yeah. two his two starts and and you know I didn't even really think about it, but he got pulled in that first game against the Blackhawks during the qualifying round. Mm-hmm. So it's really been almost a year since he's played a full game, and he came in and I will say this: when Mike Smith is on, his nice. his stick handling and his. He he definitely plays a different style than Koskinen, and I yes. think with the way our team is built, I think a guy like Smith actually benefits the team more. Sure. Now the problem is is the person. Who, what's the, the caveat here? The player who Mike Smith is now is volatile. Yes, you know, one minute into the game, if Mike Smith's going to get lit up or he's going to get a shutout. <laughs> That's a good Honestly. point. But you do though, Neil. What is the, crazy? <laughs> what's the biggest factor in these first two games? What has he not been doing? Probably not falling on his fucking stomach. He much. hasn't. He hasn't. It's crazy. He's been steady. He's been on his skates. Yeah. He's been positioned. We, well. That's what our biggest complaint about him is. If anytime you see Mike it, Smith, his positioning is t- terrible. And in any type of scramble mode or like yeah. when they quote unquote when he battles, he just flops <laughs> around on his stomach. Like he always falls forward. I love so. that's your that's your favorite. The, you, yes. the just the the catch all battle. battle. The battle. Yeah, it's just it is a catch all. That's such a good way to describe it. It's just literally we Well it's so vague. What does we, it mean? 
<laughs> well, exactly. Anytime you don't have a metric for anything, it can sound really smart. Oh, yeah, he does battle. He, you know, he's flying all over that crease. And it's like, how about because he's never in position, guys? Neil, if you had, <laughs> if you had to guess what Mike Smith's save percentage is right now, what would you say it is? I think you posted it the other day. One of our like I, did I did not. I did not. I did not. 983 or something? Oh, maybe maybe Adam posted it. I didn't post it. it it's 985. 985, yeah. <laughs> and even the one goal he let in, Larson basically put it in. That's right. That's right. He did, yeah. So, um, no, he, and I, I didn't, of course, get to see uh, the game uh, in Montreal. I had to listen to it on the radio, but yeah. it sounded like he was solid. And I just mm-hmm. – they didn't say a ton about him on the radio. And, you know, a guy like – who does the color for six thirty shadow? You know, he loves Mike Smith. Loves oh, yeah? like Mike Smith. Oh yeah, he's an old school kind of guy. You know, he battles and he's got jam and he brings sandpaper and he, you know, what he does in that room can't be underestimated and just all the all the cliche th- shit that you can think <laughs> of, right? Um, but he's been great. And I and honestly, for me this year, especially as we talked about fifty six games, I don't give a shit. No, I, just get wins. I, just get wins. It's like the one thing you know. The little bit of a side note, but it's like for me, it's like Darnell Nurse can't make a breakout pass, but it's like he's got 11 points in 16 games, so I just I have to just like be okay with it. You know, I have to just get over it. I'll (laughs) say this, you know, when you're producing at that level, it doesn't matter how great you are passing out of the because you're you're making up for that in some way, right? So. I just he's, have to get over he's it. playing. He's playing well. I mean, we we talked. It's we, the same thing with Mike Smith, right? Like, if Mike Smith's going to have a nine fifty save percentage or nine thirty yeah. or whatever the hell he's going to finish with, and he wins us twenty some games, and for some reason he's got to start the playoffs, then I guess I just got to be okay with that. You know, I mean, they haven't announced it yet, but I assume he's going to start Monday against the Jets. I would assume so. Honestly, they'll probably just flop back and forth between them. Well, because we have the back to back against Calgary on the weekend, my That's guess. What I mean. This is going to be my prediction. I think Smith starts Monday, and if he plays well, he gets to start again on Wednesday. And then you play Koskinen in first game? No, if he plays well, he gets to start on Friday, and then Koskinen gets Saturday. There's a oh, chance Mike Smith plays the next three games. I because Interesting. Come on. It's Dave Tippett's dream. It is. But Koskinen played well, and so I don't think he, he wants did. to sit Koskinen that much. Because, you know, he did finally have like a better game. So then, Yeah, that makes I think, sense. You know what I mean? So I just don't think – you're right, though. That's not out of the realm of possibility, especially if, with Dave If Tippett. Mike Smith gets another whatever 40-something save shutout on Monday, he might then he's starting Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Might, Neil. <laughs> no, that's true. But then I think I would go with Costin's going to start Friday because they, yeah, yeah. they still need him to play. The interesting right? thing is it's a home-at-home. Home. It's not yeah, – it's two. Is it two games in Calgary? No, it's a home-at-home. Fridays. Oh, it's a home and home. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Fridays in Cal- Fridays in Calgary. Saturdays in Edmonton. So, probably some of the only teams in the league that can do. A if 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 there were crowds, I yeah. would bet Smith would start in Calgary on the Friday and Costing would start in Edmonton on the Saturday. But yeah, since that's not a factor, doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, interesting. Um, the, and then the other positive that I want to talk about the other monster okay. I, the other monster I want to talk about you know Maguire's monsters here okay uh is Evan Bouchard man dude we have to talk whatever I can't believe we're almost 20 minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked about Evan Bouchard guys it, I Neil I'm saying it, it I'm, I don't I'm, think I'm, it's a coincidence that since he's been in the lineup not at all and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this on I'm putting this on record okay the kid has chops. Yes. Evan Bouchard <laughs> will be a Norris finalist with, in three years. In three years? Yes. Ooh. Interesting. You're Come not on. one to make bold predictions. Voters, voters love young the young defensemen. You know, Doughty, Subban, Carlson, all these guys won Norris trophies before they were 25 years old. If, I'm, true. if I'm not mistaken, right? Or um, around that age. Yes. Around that age, right? Bouchard's 21 right now. 21, I believe, yes. Oldest looking 21-year-old in the league. Yeah, it's, it's he's, he looks older than Nugent Hopkins. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, but I, I, the way he plays, I think by the end of the year, he is going to be second amongst uh, ice time for defensemen. He's going to be behind Darnell, Darnell Nurse. I think it, progression, but the guy, every time I watch him play, 
okay, this the first game against Ottawa, he struggled a bit. You look at you look at possession numbers, he got killed a little bit, but the first two, he was in the top four amongst all skaters for the Oilers. And it, like you said, it's not a coincidence that as he's been carrying a little bit. Well then he plays load, the game against Montreal and Look at how much of a difference that made, even from the start of the season. It, it, it's crazy because the thing is, I, I tweeted out the start of the year, and I, I, I'm sure I talked about it on here. Until the Oilers have a defenseman like a Quinn Hughes or mm-hmm. a, an outlet, Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is kind of a. I, I, I think it's a little. It's it's become a platitude to use the term unicorn. Like it doesn't really mean much anymore. Sure, but, but he is a weird. I think Kale, Kale McCarr is he because it's not so much his passing; it's just his. His his when he's he has skater. the puck, yeah, he, yeah. But he just has the puck. He creates stuff. He's like, he's almost like McDavid on the blue line. Yeah, right. Maybe, we're, yeah, we're, like not this. He's like McDavid light, but as a defenseman, right? Yeah, right. like he's better when he's holding the puck rather than when he's when he's playmaking. Where where Quinn Hughes is more mm-hmm. better positionally and makes anyway sure. whatever. But even after watching, as you said, you know, in the Canadian division, like Shabbat is on a shit team. But when you watch oh, Ottawa, man. you notice when he's on the ice because you're like, man, s- well, smooth skater, well, can pass I, the puck. Yeah, and Adam Adam gave me shit a bit because I was like, you know, sure. when we killed Ottawa in that first game, I was like, to yeah. be fair, Shabbat's on in this game, and then Shabbat was in the second game, and he's like, we still won. Like we smoked, but him again, but like you, you 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 pointed it out like you especially know, these last two games you notice when he's on the ice now let yes. me i'm gonna check this i'm gonna assume that that game when the dry settle line see. was bad i'm gonna assume that shabbat played against him the most <laughs> could could very well be but but you think you're right there's um you need those players and you need them early because yes you know i'll t- we'll talk about it actually a little bit later i got one thing i want to bring up here okay after is because it looks like d-men yes they take AKA, you know, in quotations as I do here, longer to develop, I guess. But if you actually look at all the defensemen now that are the highest paid, they're all really old and not producing. It's kind of weird. Like like the Brent Burns, the P.K. Subans, Eric, Eric Carlson. Carlson. Injuries, Car- you know, Carlson, Carlson's a such a strange case, man, because... Injuries the, took it away. Yeah, man. but yeah. when you watch him play, every once in a while you see the little glint of what he was at his prime yeah but it's just not fully there you know what is so depressing too just watching ottawa because it's like again we were watching all these canadian teams and it's sad it, i shouldn't say sad it's just it, it's it's tough to see ottawa get so ragdolled yeah just getting mashed and you just think about mark stone's captain in in vegas you know eric carlson's over in san jose peugeot's playing pretty well for the islanders this year and you're just like god Damn it, man! Like I, it's just you, you had them all, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. Also, if you if you get a chance to catch um, Ottawa, the, the next Sens Oilers game on TV, notice how many times Jack Michaels brings up Kyle Tur. Anytime Kyle Tur says the puck, once again, former senator says played some of his best years in this very building or for this very team. Every goddamn game, like you can, you can set it, you can set your watch to it. It's hilarious. Oh, um, but yeah, I, I think that the big thing, as far as eye test goes for Bouchard, is you just see such a difference—a guy who can skate out with the puck, but and can also make that pass, and mm-hmm. also it's is the just passing for me and Je- the Je- Jesse. The puck. Yeah, Jesse says it best: ice in his veins, right? Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like there's just a calmness there, and to me, that is what. Sh- that that is the number one factor when I watch someone like that who belongs in the league and at the highest level. When I would I would say last year, Ethan Bear showed a lot of that mm-hmm, poise. Mm-hmm. That was why we were so excited about him because it was like he was making those like oh stop, let the guy go by you, make one move, make an outlet pass. Like there was that little bit of that calmness and that you just love to see from because what happens is you get others that treat it like a hand grenade and it's yeah. off the glass every time we get any pressure whereas like those guys seem to be able to make a play and so for evan bouchard right now even if he may you know like you said even if he's going to have some bumps sure but man some of the plays that he's creating for is noticeable like the yeah. ability to get out of the zone and for him to make a pass is just something that we still lack severely because we've often talked about it right we have the two best players in the world but if you can't get them the puck it doesn't matter how good they are 
So the biggest thing is don't get uh, see, man. I, I don't know. I was I was watching Capitals Pens earlier today, and <laughs> Sidney Crosby, in my opinion, still has a better backhand than Drysaddle ever has right now. Ooh. He did Ooh. like come, yeah. He had he, a good game today. Actually, he made this pass that I think it was like the first or second goal for the Penguins. It was Crosby came in along the along the wing into the offensive zone, passed it like this ridiculous backhand pass through the middle into the slot. Or no, sorry, Math. Matheson passed it to Crosby, and then Crosby fed it to um, sending back you to him. Yeah, to Rust, and then Rust oh, yeah. scored. And I was like, man, this guy <laughs> going into the year. There's some people who are like, oh, you know, this could be the year Crosby starts to look washed. And he only has like eleven or twelve points or whatever, and that's fine. The Penguins are in a state of they're starting flux. to pick it up. They're starting to pick it. They up are. a little bit. Um, but man, some the guy just makes some plays again. It's it, one of these things. I think once we enter, in, we we're into our thirties now, and you just start to appreciate some of the players when you when you're in your twenties and you're a dumbass white man, white <laughs> white white child, and you're just like whining about all these great. Like you just, I I I'm at, mad at myself for not appreciating greatness when I should. Like all these years, I know I brought this up last week, but all these years I'm like, I kind of wish I had just been a Patriots fan and just appreciate everything. Appreciate. Don't don't I'm not I'm not I'm not turning my back on on Steelers Nation don't get me wrong there but <laughs> the, just to appreciate greatness like that it, it's just we don't do it enough sure you know and it's funny because even during the Red Wings dynasty like this new dynasty in the in the early 2000s I was all aboard I loved it of course everyone knows him Lidstrom's one of my favorite players of all time mm-hmm. and I that was one of the few times where I was on that side of dynasties of, of dominance where I was like, yeah, you know what? Roll Zetterberg, Datsuk, Lidstrom, like Lidstrom win 10 Norses in a row. I, I <laughs> don't care. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. Throw your, uh, throw your random stat or not random stat, but the, uh, the stat sure. you want to run past me. Well, so I was laughing. I did, you know, of course it's in, it's partially because they hate the player, but I did, I did chuckle. Would you like to find out how to stop Connor McDavid? Okay, when you say they, who's they? I, they. I don't know. Pe- people on Twitter. Let's let's just say that. Oh, okay. But here, so here, I'm gonna read out some stats for you here. Okay. okay? So, expected goals for per sixty. Yep. One point six seven. Okay. Expected goals against one point nine two. Yeah. And yep. expected goals for percentage is forty six point five six. Yeah. That is Connor McDavid with a certain player. And then Connor McDavid without a certain player, 3.53 expected goals for per 60. His goals against expected expected goals against per 60 is almost identical. So it's it was 1.92 and now it's a 1.93. Okay. But then his expected goals for percentage is 64.7. Oof. Would you like to name the player? It is a player on our team. Yeah, this is one of his line mates. With it's or not without. one of his. It's it's like it's with or without, but it's not like one of his line mates per se. But it is a player on his team that you put him on the ice with, and those are that's what happens to his stats. His expected goals for per sixty is literally cut in half. So what you're saying is it's a defenseman, not a forward. It's a defenseman. Yes. Is it Adam Larson? It's not Adam Larson, but it's another guy. He hasn't played a ton, but oh, okay, it's Chris Russell. It's everyone, Chris Russell. Everyone just yeah. wants to crush Chris Russell. I don't, but that is an insane stat. Yeah. You, again, I I, I always got to point out the the the, the advanced <laughs> stuff kind of, of course, yeah. Uh, it doesn't affect it affects uh, Russell's stats a little bit differently because of the sure. style of game he plays. But it goes to show the difference that someone who can actually make passes from the back end yes. makes. And right? the, the, that was all to say that was, I actually, it's actually tied in well, because I think that a person like Chris Russell is fine. If he's not playing with Connor, because he's yeah. not expected to produce anything. For exactly. Yeah. Whereas like an Evan Bouchard and right now, Darnell nurse, like those guys are producing and helping Connor, you know, produce a 3.53. So what you're expected s- goals for. So, right? the, so the punchline to that joke is if you want to stop Connor McDavid, you pair him with Chris Russell on the ice. Yes. That's okay. Right. The only way to stop Connor is put him with Chris Russell. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, because his, his expected goals against literally doesn't change. That's crazy. <laughs> that that the, the the expected goals per sixties and it, it, that's hilarious. It's Jumps. literally half. Yeah. Over half. 
It yeah. jumps from 1.67 when he's with Russell to without to 3.53. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like so, over double. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it, I think it's a relatively small sample because I'm sure even Tippett looks – they they probably incorporate some of this with, like, film and be like, hey, when, you know, we had this pairing out with this line, how did they look? Well, that's the proper yeah. way to use advanced right. stats, right? That's you know. a, that's the proper way to use this kind of stuff is you look mm-hmm. at it, you watch the game, you see what you see, you take your notes, you consult with your pro scouts and with your assistant yeah. GMs or whoever, your assistant coaches too – and then you go to the numbers and you and you cross reference. That's the whole point sure. of this whole thing. That's the whole point of this Definitely. movement, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? It's not baseball. Baseball is isolated events, right? It's so one on one. And so that makes stats more important. Way more important, right? Sabermetrics are way more important than baseball. Yeah. Because and, and it, as you said, it's isolated events. Affect the outcome way more with, with yes. hockey and a guy like uh, who who was talking about this the other day? Oh, Paul Maurice when he was talking about uh, Blake Wheeler, yes, and he kind of was you know he was defending Blake Wheeler a bit, and he made a little comment at the stats community, the advanced stats community, where he was like, "Yeah, you guys look at those advanced stats, and you say a guy's not playing well, but there's five guys on the ice, and he's not wrong. In fact, there's twelve guys on the ice when you count goalies too, right? Sure, and a the guy other team." And, well, and a goalie like Mike Smith is going to affect those numbers differently than a goalie like Koskinen, right? Because it's going to change the way possession works, right? Mm-hmm. But they do tell a bit of a story. Like you've said, like you said yourself, man, it felt like the Oilers were getting dominated a bit against against the Sens in that second game. And then you go to look at the numbers, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of proves your point. The thing with hockey and the thing that old school people tend to, you know, they're a little prickly about, or they 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 love to point out is when the the numbers don't match up to the to the eye sure. test game, right? Sure, where, which can happen in anything. We're clearly like, like because here's the th- yeah, good point. Well, especially randomness of hockey, especially that's and that's the biggest part with hockey, right? It's vulcanized rubber on a frozen yeah. surface, right? Like it's, you can dominate the game and one shot can take a bounce and it's over. Absolutely, the whole season can end. And so that's a big thing. Is Connor McDavid is clearly the best player in the game right now. So, mm-hmm. so logic should di- dictate that he should be at the top of all his possession metrics, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If if these numbers are supposed to tell you who the best players in the game are, sure. But it doesn't because it because of the way he plays his game, because mm-hmm. of who he might be playing with, if it's Chris Russell or whomever, right? Yeah. So that that's the give and take a little bit, but I've always I, I've I, I've always appreciated them because it does dig into some of your inklings right some of the to go to a sport that i again that i'm not totally familiar with but with baseball right there's a movement with these managers and these gms who may be more um uh, metrics based saber metrics based more stats based but then you have an old school manager like a dusty baker who his big Mm -hmm. thing is he goes with that old manager feeling of Of course you know the gut feeling or whatever you want to call it yeah sure Yeah, goes out on a, you know not afraid to go out on a limb because he feels something. And I think that is still valuable. I think sure. I think that those coaching instincts do separate good coaches from bad coaches. As you, you see it in football all the time. You know the biggest thing with Andy Reid, right? For the longest time, is yeah, he had all this, the game planning, the scheming, but his clock management sucked. Sure. And and his 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 instincts in certain points of the game maybe weren't where they should have been to really capitalize on what he was really good at and mm-hmm. quite frankly elite at where a guy like Belichick that's kind of his that's MO. kind of his MO right like yeah. you know he sits uh who who is it that he sat in the Super Bowl famously right uh I yeah I remember the Butler, story Malcolm though. Butler yes yeah right he just sits Malcolm Butler nobody knows to this day why one of his best one of his best DBs just sits him yeah they win a Super Bowl Right or no? That was no. That's when they lost to Philly. I'm pretty sure. I, I think, think that's. So. I think that's when they lost the Eagles. Yes. Right. So that's. But still, he's like, it's my gut. I'm going to go with it. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It's. I don't know why I went on that tangent, but uh, well, we were yeah. just talking about like coaching and like how you, the Crofts reference stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it's 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 good to see. So um, yeah, we got a big week 
we play for the team. God damn it. The, <laughs> the Oilers, the Oilers have a big week coming up. Uh, two. I against, mean, as us as fans have a big week, of course, too. You yeah. Know, two against of, the Jets, to do. two against the Jets, two against the flames. It's really going to come down to, it's looking like the Jets, the flames, and the Oilers fighting for that last playoff spot. Right. Although Montreal, yeah. Montreal's no, I know. A bit. Like we're, we're we're two points back. I, yeah, I don't know. Two, but Montreal is two games, two games in hand. I'm pretty in sure. hand, but still, like after watching Montreal, I'm like, okay, we can play with them. Like I, I don't think it's there yet. I think we're definitely we're a quarter this is, way through the season, though. We are, and this is an important stretch. Let's not get it twisted, because you are right. Like if, if you're the Oilers, do you want to be up with Montreal and Toronto potentially if they keep winning? Do you want to hang around with them, or do you want to hang around with Calgary, Winnipeg, Vancouver, yeah. fighting for you know the last two spots kind of thing? Yeah. So you know you can cement yourself in the sort of top three if you want. If this weekend easily you somehow sweep all four games, gigantic. I mean, you're just all yeah. of a sudden you're you're beating two teams that are directly below you, and you're catching the teams that are directly ahead of you, ahead of you if they lose any. So, I mean. I mean, it's not anything. That's not rocket science or anything. But it's just. But you're right. I think because you are a quarter. Yeah. I'm just, well, you, if you win, you catch them. If you lose, you don't. That's it's, like that's like when. Uh, oh man, the best. Whatever. The best are just the uh, the keys to the game in any sport. Well, because I like, love it because you can just fudge any of the numbers to make your key look better. No, but they're they're always just so like score the first goal. Or like while I was watching basketball today, it's like get out and run. <laughs> Like, so then they find a stat at half that like makes it look like they've gotten out and run. It's like thirteen nothing on second chance points or something, whatever they came up with. And it's like I can, you the can one, just fudge any numbers to make. I gotta you be honest. I, I'm a lifelong hockey fan. Sure. Right. The one thing I've never understood is the good road game. I've never understood that concept. You go there, you win two one, you play defense, and you leave the building happy. Or, or that's like kind of what the what does or, that mean? I don't like. Shouldn't you be playing the same at home or on the road? Like I don't, don't get that. No, play I know. Your, play your. You think the Tampa Bay Lightning are like? You know what? No, let's only score three goals on the road. We no, like to score like, six at home, but let's they score talk three about this every time. I, and I've never understood it. I've never yes. understood what a good road good, game is. Good road game. You play or, more physical because you're thing, not at home. Or the, be, the the best thing is that guys, great road period by the Oilers. I've never. Yeah. I, I I I'm be, I'm not. This is not a bit. I've never understood what that meant. Yeah. So no, like let's let's, let's bring it down. It's you know you play more physical. I guess you just you play a little harder. Defense. But why do you have know, to do that block. on the road? I don't know. But like this is what they must be talking about because yeah. this is what this is what they highlight. These are the things they highlight when it's a good road period, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know they blocked more shots. They played more physical. Like I don't get they, you that. Know, they they're, they're up one nothing. Great road period. Like what? Like so, if they're up four nothing, it's not a great road period. <laughs> well, Neil, if they're up three nothing, definitely not a good road period. That's not a, a good da- period. That's a dangerous period. Uh, yeah, you may as well have not even got that, got that third one, as you said. You may as well have not even scored it there. Yeah. <laughs> Although some say it's two, but you know, whatever. I'm so for the, for those who don't know the for those who don't know the the bit, uh, Neil famously has always said that three rip is the most dangerous lead in three hockey. Rip. Never, never my whole life, up, that's ne- what I was told. Never be up three nothing. Yeah, my whole life, that's what I was told. But then I, you know, Adam, of course, told tried to tell me it was two. Which, hey, he's not wrong. I mean, the internet is more in favor of the two. But my whole life, growing up, was didn't three, you try to, three nothing. Didn't, didn't you try to look it up? And you only got tax advice. Yeah, good. There's no. It was on the message board, but one of the ads was for tax advice, yes. of course, because it was really reputable source that we were looking for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, we're really looking for those scientific numbers, just like a road period, three nothing. I mean, it's all the same myth, you know. It's part of the same like, same you, magic lamp. When you see the keys to the game, it's like road game, like get up early. Shouldn't you be getting up early regardless? Like, isn't the point of sports to win the game? It wouldn't be in the lead first help you win that game. It's like in football, it's like man it, uh, control the clock. Yeah, yeah, no shit. That's how you win the game. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I've never, I've, I, yeah. again, I've never understood what that meant. Like, it's just, I think it's just to make a talk. They've created it for a talking point. Well, that's all it always is, right? TV's, t- TV's funny, eh? It's so, oh, yeah. There's so much. There is so much garbage. That's all I'm going to say. There's so much. It's fluff? Yeah. Yes. There's so much. That's what I mean by garbage. There's so much 
extra going on. Like the all, like at all times. Like the they the, make a story out of everything. I was talking to him today, and he, you know, he was talking. How he really got in the gym, and they always like make it a personal story. And it's just like you didn't say, you didn't talk to this person about this, or like, like you said, <laughs> you like did. how many times do we need to hear about Zach Cassian like changing his like every single time, like you said, or Kyle Turris every time he touches the puck. Oh, he played Ottawa. Like, do I if I could had never seen an Oilers game, I'd know 100% Kyle Turris plays for the Ottawa if I watched one game because, I mean, that's all they can talk about. Yeah, It's just like they just don't have it, and they recycle the same bullshit all the time. It's just it's it's, crazy. It, it, it's, it, it The funniest is the, ins- the intermission reports. What did you see in that period? Oh, you know, they, uh, they played some hockey. Yeah. <laughs> They played. They played. They, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, uh, Carolyn. They played some hockey. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'm sure I've gone on this uh, this diatribe before, but I'll say it again. We we got to get rid of the let's interview the player two minutes before we start the next period segment. Yeah. There, or two you minutes were, after. You were getting nothing from that player. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I, I was watching the game. Uh, Whatever game it was, where three the three others defensemen scored from Bouchard, Nurse, and uh, yeah, and then Bouchard was doing the interview in the one. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Gene bless his or heart. let's get or let's get Pool Party to do the interview when he can still barely speak English, right? But so like you know, Gene Gene Prince although Bay, it is much improved. But. Gene Prince is asking, bless his heart. You know, you gotta can never say anything wrong. Like I genuinely will never say anything bad to Gene. He's just doing his job. But he's you know he oh, goes geez. he you know he's like the. So yeah, defense. All the defensemen scoring it just the way you the way you drew it up, right? Like trying to mine a little bit of personality. And Bush and goes, just like he goes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, uh, you know the the team just plays really well, and uh, got to got to give it up to the boys, and which is great. The great thing about hockey is everybody loves everybody, but this is true. we don't this is we don't true. we don't need the bench interview and the no, coach interview in any sport. Enough. <laughs> <It's dumb>. Enough. <laughs> I love it. But it just it, gives an opportunity. I only love it because it's so bad. It's well, always so it, bad. It just gives an opportunity for Greg Popovich to be rude to reporters. That's right. And the the best is the baseball ones because they're just like the the manager's just in the dugout and is like clearly trying to watch the game. Yeah. And they're like trying to ask him all these questions. He's like, okay, like I'm, I'm Yeah. Done. Yeah, okay. Yeah, apple's my favorite flavor of big chew, like whatever. <laughs> it it's just it, it always makes you think of uh uh, the replacements, right? What, what are right. the what are the Sentinels going to need to get back in the second half? Heart, miles and miles of heart, right? Heart. And the the point of that is that the the reporter's confused. She's like, okay, apparently the Sentinels are going to need heart to get back in this game, but like that is actually what happens during these interviews. <laughs> like you're asking coaches, what do you need to do to get back into this game? They're not going to tell you. They're not. They're not. They're not telling you any of these. Any of their plans or game plans or secrets? Anyway, whatever. It's just funny. I just I, I think it's especially in hockey. The player interviews are just unless you're Jake Voracek in the post game interview. That's right. They're usually not that interesting. No, they're not. Never. Um, before we move on to some, because uh, I know you want to talk some tennis and maybe some raps, sure. Neil. Yeah, sure. Raps. Um, tough one today. I'm going to ask you your opinion on the uh, John Tortorella Patrick Lane. Ooh, saga. We had kind of been discussing this off, Mike. I don't think we. Ago. Yeah, I don't think we talked about it on the on the pro- no because it, this was just a couple days ago when. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lonnie we got- we talked when we did our Thursday when we did our uh, Malcolm and Marie episode after right. we had done taping. We had talked a little. That's bit. right. That's right. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, listen, John Tortorella has done awesome things, but this was a clown move in my opinion. <laughs> this was this was a dude being like, I don't want. I'm not going to talk about it publicly, but yet he makes it the most public thing that you can do, which is bench your best player. It's a weird move. Period. It's a weird move because, like, honestly, okay, the Dubois thing, sure, that was everyone could see that. Like, he just wanted out. There's There's a dis- like the- there, there was a disconnect. Yes, and it's like the James Harden thing. He did that too. He basically oh, like he made himself fat. Like he put on more clothing somehow. J- All of a sudden, James that, Harden's is in that- the nets. He's I've in the nets and he's in better shape so now. So I, I've fast seen as fifteen pounds. I've seen these pictures. I, yes. I, I I've seen them. Like he's, I'm pretty sure he did it on purpose. That is weird. That's that's yeah. a, that's that that's going to the I'm pretty next sure, like, level. In, like he was more in warm ups though, because like he, he wasn't as big during the game. I don't think, but in warm ups, like that he made himself look like that is so out of shape. Okay, so then 
Because then he started playing, and you're like, whoa, that doesn't look like the player that was just warming up. He also so. just had a statement saying, like, he, you know, he didn't like the way things ended, but oh, which is sure. Sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, I mean, you, you're yeah, the- yeah, you didn't you didn't mind carrying the team when you were getting MVP. Now, now revision assist, you're like, man, carrying the team really wore on me. It's like, yeah, yeah it wore you to two MVPs or whatever the hell you got, man. Yeah. So <laughs> without them, you wouldn't fucking have one. But anyway. Is it um, fair to say, I'm going to, sorry, I just want to ask one quick question. Is it fair to say the greatest be- demanding a trade moment is Patrick Waugh s- l- going to the owner and saying, I'm never oh, playing yeah. for this I'm fucking team again. again? Absolutely. But yeah. like, yeah, right? And like back then, you'd be like, whatever. But it is a boss move. Like as much as I maybe think it is a bit of a bitch out, it's kind of like, also, fuck them. You're using your power. Yeah. Like, what are they gonna do? Like hold you out the whole season? Like the NHL is gonna step in and be like, hey, you can't sit Patrick Waugh for the whole season. You got to mm. him somewhere. It's just like how they did with Eric Lindros, right? Because he sat a whole year, entire things. year, entire year. But they NHL eventually went and were like, hey, we can't have Eric Lindros not in our league. So figure it out. Um, but yeah, you th- but back to the, back to your line. Hold on, is is that a is that a real conspiracy that, that the no, NHL? No, it's not. No, it isn't a conspiracy. It was like a rumor thing that basically they were like, yes, we understand he's not going to play for you, so you have to make a move here because we need really? Lindros. And I didn't know yeah. that. That could be unofficially, but I've read things that right. said, you know, that it would kinda, make sense, right? You can't yeah, you lean on a guy here. This is a guy. guy this is a guy who's pre-draft. Um, was like Wayne Gretzky. Stock, yeah, it was Wayne Gretzky and Laura Lemieux. He had Wayne Gretzky's vision and Lemieux's size. Yes. So, but no, but back, you know, to circle yeah. back to the yeah, line yeah, thing. for sure. It just was like, it's, it's a strange move. Like Tortorella, I get it, man. You, you want to set the tone. You want to have it be your team, whatever. He has done a lot with not a lot in Columbus. But who wants to go play for that now? Who wants to go and be like, yeah, you know what? If I just like say something inappropriately or whatever, like if I'm Tortorella, like pull him off in the side in the intermission, maybe give him a lashing, be like, bro, I want to sit your ass so fucking bad. But, you know, because you said this or you did this or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. You, you can, he, he's so, you know, he demands accountability and respect, yet you're not accountable for just like sitting people at will when literally no other coach does that. No other coach would sit their best player for an entire period uh, to send a message. Oh, so best unquote. player. No, I was going to say Dallas Aikens back in the day. Well, yeah, an idiot though. He looked like a clown and you just, you look like an idiot because in the end, I still, it is still a star driven league. Like you need, yeah. you need good players to win. And in I, the end, <laughs> you can hold them accountable without doing it publicly. I just keep laughing. I, I, and then tell again. tell us all that you're going to keep it private, yet you just did the most public thing you can do when it comes to accountability. But we're going to keep it in-house. Okay, man. Don't bench him for a full period then. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Is that how you keep it in-house? Okay, man. Cool. Like I said, so, the, the funniest... Play by your own rules. The funniest thing to me is just thinking back to how much airspace was spent debating who was at fault when Taylor Hall threw a water bottle at Got a little bit onto onto Dallas Aikens. Oh, yeah. yeah, it exploded suit. on the bench and splashed back a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But it's the same like that. He makes a public display, but he's a clown. You, you end up looking <laughs> like an idiot. Because in the end, you're like, okay, you want your players to like have passion and all these things, but like yeah. they, and they want they're gonna throw a water ball in frustration, it just happens to break, and then you make a big deal of it. Just like I from my understanding, it was Line A said something to an assistant coach. An or assistant something. coach or something, yeah. And it's like, okay, Torts, then fucking pull him aside in the mission and be like, give him a fucking lashing. But like, no, we're going to publicly bench him, but then tell him that we're going to, you know. I think one of the, one of the uh, views I heard um, was, I mean, you've, you've played, you know, fairly competitive hockey, Neil. Like, have you ever been sitting on a bench and you've heard a player maybe say something off, you know, Maybe inappropriate, or I don't know what the right sure. term is, but like something. Yeah. Maybe, let's just well, say, like, sword a, sword a coach. Have yeah. you ever, as a team, been like, oh man, if the coach lets this guy get away with it, then we're just. No. Yeah. Like, no. Like, I don't maybe, think so, right? Not really, but the coach will get in your face right away and be yeah. like, yo, what the fuck kind of thing. You know? Yeah, but I don't think so. I think if push came to shove, they wouldn't be like, no, I'm going to sit this player for the whole game. I think as players, you're not like, man, if this coach doesn't sit this guy, I've lost all respect for him. Yeah, that's silly because you're, yeah. you, you, cause you're trying to win the game. You don't care about the coach that yeah, much. You wait, till, you wait till the end of the game, like you said, yes. go to the dressing room and you're just like, man. You say that shit again, like I'll healthy I'll scratch, scratch you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right? Do that. 
that's more you know sending a message because i think the, the thing we're the thing we're not mentioning is that like Lane had scored what four goals in three games or something yes before that exactly so it's yeah. like you can't tell me that it's anyway it's not conducive to winning no so. exactly it's Tortorella being Tortorella, and people are like, oh, you know, he's just trying to set a culture, and he's trying to set a whatever, and it's like, you know who that is for, who has to make, <laughs> they talk about, you know, players being, like, sensitive, that's the coach being sensitive. That yes, he, he's be, that's ego, he, it's, it's ego. It's ego, yeah, he's so petty and, like, so egotistical that he needs to bench a player like that in front of everybody, embarrass the player, basically, mm-hmm. right? And then say, oh, you know, but we're going to keep it in-house. Like, fuck, shut up, man. You, you, you brought it on yourself, and yeah. you did it on purpose because you wanted to be the one to get out in front and send the message, you know, because you're the big boy. So, I don't know. Like, I like Tortorella at times because I do think I do, too. Has, that's, the, that's the thing is I, I, I had stuff th- like this. I'm just well, I'm not going to get on board with that's this what I th- stuff. Th- I, I'm, on, I'm on the same page as you, man. Like, I thought he was turning a page and had turned a page, and, you know, he wasn't getting into – he was getting. You know, he's he's still going to be who he is. Like he's going to get testy, testy with um, interviewers Reporters here and, and there, and with his but, players probably but, and stuff. But but it wasn't the same. Like when he when he was coaching Vancouver, like wasn't that the whole like he went into the Calgary dressing room or whatever? Yeah, he was trying try to defend it. his players and stuff. Like shit and, like that is I'm go, I'm all for it. But yeah, so he publicly embarrassing your player and then being like, no, we need no. to hold him accountable. It's like yeah, eh, it doesn't make any kinda, sense when he just got hollow. to your team and you're trying I to. Know. Keep him? Yes. Rings um, a little hollow. Okay, let's move on, Neil. Okay, you get to choose one. Do you want to talk Raps or do you want to talk Aussie? Let's talk Aussie. I want to talk some tennis. Okay, do it. Raps Go. lost today, so I don't, they left a sour taste. Yeah. Although both Canadians Minnesota. Lost yeah, I know. To a team that had won six games. Yeah. So after they were finally, anyway. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Canadians. Okay, um, go. Tough, tough draw. Chapo and uh, Felix Auger out of steam. Shapovalov, of course, and Felix played each other in the third round. So that's tough. I hate when the Canadians play each other that early. Yeah. Um, we have three Canadians ranked inside the top 20, which is pretty cool. That is crazy, Obviously, actually. Yeah. Which And the youngest one is Felix of the entire top 20. He's 20? So he is, yeah, he's like 20 years old. Yeah. Dude, wow. like, he's, he's a young guy. Even Shapovalov, I think, is only a year older. Um, Milos, of course, is the uh, the old guard still hanging around there because that yeah. serve. I mean, it's just a weapon, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, yeah, it's a tough run. Uh, first Grand Slam of the year. Um, the Russians are looking pretty good. So, but in, as far as the Canadian, Bianca lost in the second round as well. So we lost yeah. uh, we lost all our women's singles participants and our uh, men's singles. So. We lost them before the quarterfinals, which isn't ideal considering we do have sort of the younger studs coming, you know, on both as Bianca has shown she can win. Big long layoff, though. She had a full year off, and her first matches back are going to be Grand Slams. Like, she didn't play all of 2020. Oh. And then she came back in her first match. She was injured, yeah. It was a knee. But she took the whole year off with all the, you know, COVID stuff going on, pandemic. Mm the seasons got shifted and stuff like that. So she had taken the whole year off, comes back, plays the Aussie open. She wins her first round match in a three setter and then falls in the next round. Although in fairness, the player that she lost to is still going and it is a qualifier much. Oh yeah. I, I don't want to even try and pronounce the name cause I don't want to butcher the name. I don't want to disrespect her cause it, I believe she is from like Taiwan or um, like South Korea or something, some somewhere in, in Asia. Okay. Um, and it's like, yeah, because it's like a three-part name, and it's very difficult for my white self to try and pronounce. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but she she lost to her, and she, she's still going, so I don't feel as bad about that one. Um, <clears throat> for the men, uh, yeah, FFA, FAA, as I'll call him, instead of you know saying Felix, um, he he looked okay for a bit, so he took down Shapovalov in the third round, and in the fourth round, he was playing a Russian qualifier. And he just looked he looked good to start. He took the first two sets. So I mean you only need to win one and then he lost three straight, which is a tough it's tough when you blow a two yeah. two sets to none lead. Um just a little sporadic. But you you can see the physical gifts in our one group chat I was kinda of saying. Like you can definitely see how FAA is gonna sort of be he's like six foot three, he's fast, he's athletic. Right. Like, 
he just needs to get a serve. Like, ironically, Milos has, you know, probably one of the best serves ever, and Felix tends to wane at times. It, he can lose it. He can lose his ball toss. Um, anyone that watches it will know exactly what I'm talking about. It gets a little, like, squirrely. You kind of okay. get you get off of, like, center, so you'll throw the ball up, and, like, you're kind of reaching for it strangely. It, it looks Oh, awkward. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. It yeah. doesn't look fluid. It doesn't look like if you watch a Milos, his serve never looks different. Oh, okay. And that's what you're that's what you're striving for. Obviously, the the greats, of course, of Federer and Djokovic, Nadal. Those guys don't don't waver very much either. But Andy Roddick, Andy Roddick, like you know that guy held his serve. It was it took an effort to break that. Whereas, like I find with uh, with Felix right now, he's still really young, so he's got time to improve it. But yeah, it just kind of struggled. And then of course the Milos Milos comes up against uh, Novak Djokovic, uh, still the number one ranked player in the world. He just he's 0-12 against them. There's just no real there's twelve no times real, they've played, eh? Twelve times and he's 0 and twelve. So that's wow. a tough record. Tough record to to carry. In fair in fairness to Milos, I mean, lots of guys are 0 and twelve against Djokovic. Probably fair a lot enough. more than 0 and twelve. Um it's just tough. They're just tough to break through. Uh I'll be shocked overall if we don't see a sort of Djokovic Nadal final. If Djokovic is kinda healthy, if he is actually hurt which I do think he's injured, but he was being a little dramatic, I think. Because that's the rumor, right? Well, he heard it in the... Sorry, excuse me. He heard it in the uh, third round. Yes, okay. he, heard it, he heard it in the third round against Taylor Fit, Fritz, an American. And it looks like it's his abdomen or whatever. And he he was up two sets to none. He kind of got hurt, and he lost the third and fourth set. So you're thinking like, okay, he, he must be obviously okay. hurt. But then he comes back in the fifth set, and then even after the match... You know, of course, the American was like, "Well, if he's if he plays like that, like he did in the fifth set, I mean, I don't see why he would stop playing. Basically, he didn't look right. hurt to me all of a sudden, and maybe it was just he it loosened up, whatever. So he recovered against Milos, beat him in four in Milos, play, uh, beat him in four sets. So, but people are kind of like, well, he he said post game after post match after he had beaten Fritz, he was like, I tore a muscle. He shouldn't even have said it. Yeah, tore a muscle. So I'm kind of like, okay, maybe you should have just said nothing. Right. You know, because maybe it is just a mild strain. And these guys have round the clock, you know, physio and recovery and things of that nature. So if he just said, hey, I may have a strain and I got to see how it's going to heal up. But no, he goes, oh, I have a muscle tear. And then he goes out and beats the 14th ranked player in the world, which of course is Milos. And you're like, well, Okay, how how much a muscle tear, especially in something yeah. as physical as tennis, I feel like that would sideline you. He has now come out and said that if it wasn't a grand slam, he wouldn't be playing. Okay. So we'll see. If he is compromised in any way, though, and Nadal keeps playing like he is, Nadal's going to roll him if he is compromised because as bad as it sounds, Djokovic at 80%, can, he, I mean, he can still beat Milos. He can literally beat anybody else in the draw still at 80%. He's still better than everybody. So, but if he gets up against Nadal and he's compromised in any way, Nadal's going to destroy him. He's going to beat him in straight sets. So, so we'll see how it goes. But we're in the we're in the the dog uh, the dog fight portion of the tournament now. So they're in the quarterfinals. So we're in the final eight. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's an interesting. The Aussie one is always funny. We were kind of talking about a little bit before we came on air and talking about our one group chat. You got to be really committed to the cause to watch some Aussie Open tennis because it's usually on. At about this time that me and you are recording this pod at about one thirty in the morning, 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning. Because, um, you know, of course, the Australian summer it looks very nice there, though, I must admit. After, <laughs> after the week we had in uh, YEG, yeah. I'm like, oh, that would be nice to go uh, play some tennis, some tennis outside. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see, like I said, a little disappointing for the Canadians, but it is what it is. It, it tends to... Once you get to the nitty gritty of the tourney, it's it's hard sometimes to to get over the hump. Yeah. If I had to make a prediction though, FAA is going to be the one. Felix is going to be the one to probably break through. Shabovalov is just so volatile. Like he's the shot maker. He's the he's the flash and pizzazz, and he'll okay. he'll, he'll upset a Nadal, which he's already done once in his life and stuff like that. But it's hard to sustain that level right. for too long because guys are fl- tennis is all about being a flash in the pan, right? You can. Those guys are still good enough that they can beat the top guys from time to time, but can they do 
you know, so, okay, you did that, but can now you win two other matches to win the whole thing? Right. It's always like, how do you sustain that level? Because you get past the number one ranked player in the world, and it's almost like you've won the, the tournament. Because like, yeah. it's like, you beat the hardest person that you're going to have to play, and then there has to be a weird mental letdown there. So um, that's why, you know, those guys that are the have, were the top three and even top four, if you want to say, with Murray, they, that's why it made them so good. They never lost the matches they weren't supposed to lose, man. They right, always got yeah. to the semis. That's so. the most impressive thing about that whole run with those guys. Yeah, it for is, sure. yeah. But I was, I, you know, I said in the text today, I definitely feel a little old. Nadal's salad, man. That thing is going LeBron James on him. It is thin, <laughs> thin, thin. <laughs> Word of advice, Nadal: keep your hair shorter, bro. Why you? Why do you have these long, wispy? Where I can see the whole top of your head because your hair is like so thin up top. Like, dude, keep it short, man. Yeah, keep or it short and pull the Agassi. Just go bald. Or just go bald, yeah. Just or or wear a wig like he did, you know, in the nineties. Agassi I, played with wigs. Played on court with a wig. Yes, <laughs> that's wow. real. Apparently, yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Because that, he, he had that huge hair and he didn't want to like that was right. part of his persona, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, that's in his autobiography. He says he wore wow. wigs. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And like, I can't imagine nineties wigs would have been as good as what they got now. Too. Definitely probably. not. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. So who's your prediction then who's coming out on men's and women's side? Oh, yeah. I guess I should have mentioned too on the women's side. Serena is through 39 years old. Unbelievable. Yeah, right. She is getting old. Like it's going to come at some point here for her. Especially for tennis. Like it's. Yeah. That's tough, man. And you're a mother. Whew. Yeah. My goodness. Um, Body's been know, through a lot. Been through a lot, exactly. Like your recovery just isn't as as good as it once was. I just you know can't what? imagine like you get to that age, whether it's like Serena or Nadal or Federer, sure. like just the the impact on your knees. It just to me, it's just like holy shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. So yeah, we got Dimitrov versus Karatsev, the qualifier. Djokovic versus Zverev, Rublev and Medvedev, an all Russian matchup, and then. Tsitsipas, who's Greek. Yeah, yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the fifth rank. So lots of high seeds. So Zverev is the sixth. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Okay. And I'm going to say Alexander Zverev is going to win the title. And we will know roughly by the next time we record this. Yeah, okay. So because it'll be on like Saturday night. Sunday into the morning, morning right, into the yeah. morning where the result will come. So I'm going to go with Zverev, the sixth seed. He's playing Joker. If Djokovic is actually uncompromised, guy right. like Zverev is talented enough to take him down. So I I feel like we'll, we'll I'll go with a conventional. I'll say Nadal still gets there, but I'll say Zverev takes down Djokovic and Nadal. Probably one of the only times that wow that'll that, yeah right yeah and it hasn't happened very often. And then on the women's side, gotta go with Serena. Man, yeah. Well, some hockey content, as you said, Jason had mentioned it today. They're the Pakulas, who mm. own the Bills and the Sabers. Of course, their daughter actually oh. is into the quarterfinals. Okay, so yeah, I, I noticed. I noticed there was a Brady too. Any relation to Tom? <laughs> oh yeah, I see that the twenty-two seed. Who knows? American, American, yeah. Simona Halep, so she must be playing Serena. Oh, yeah, that's a tough matchup. She's, Serena's playing Halep, who's the second seed. Right. Who who can beat her, who has the skill, okay. has the game. Barty is playing right now. You know what? I'm going to actually I'm gonna stick with uh, Naomi Osaka. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. The number three seed. Yeah, hasn't, I like her game. She isn't. She was hurt too, wasn't she, a little bit? Well, she won the uh, U.S. Open yeah. when it was last year, uh, and then she pretty much hasn't played since right? as okay. well. I think some groin issues and some different things of, like that. And I think but she, go, I think she chose not to play during the summer with the Black Lives Matter movement. She wanted yes, to and then give, she only played on New York. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she had, she had a tough matchup. Give some uh, – give, give the, the space to the movement and not right. compromise it. Yeah. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take her. She's playing the qualifier. Okay. And it is Taiwan, actually, I think. I believe that's what that flag is. It's, it's okay. I, I'm testing my what's the what's a flag expert? There's gotta be a word for that, I'm assuming. Flagologist? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I fi- I figured I'd t- trust the guy who did more English than me. 
Okay, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a fucking dictionary here, Neil. Like, <laughs> that's true. This is very wow. Wait, wait. Oh, for people that listen to our last pod, it was a charlatan. That's the word that Nick pulled oh, off. Yes. That I was like, what a yes. great word. And then uh, intern Heather was like, oh, like a like a snake oil salesman. Snake oil salesman. Yeah. <laughs> Said, oh yes. Okay, the study of flags is vex illology. Wow. There you go. V-E-X-I-L-L-O-L-O-G-Y. Yeah, stats and researcher is quick on this stuff. So I like it. Um, okay, let's wrap up there, Neil. Uh, hopefully, I, I'm, I am going to place large wagers on those two. Naomi Osaka and yep. Alexander Zverev. Yep, to win. So okay. I'm going to parlay that. We'll circle with- back on Sunday and see if I was full of shit or not. With four straight Oilers wins, too. Two against the Jets, two oh, against the beautiful. Flames. Yeah, be great right. to come back here on Sunday and be like, we won four games in a row. We right. are now 13 and 7. Yep. Man, that'd be great. That'd um, be great. Maple Leafs who? <laughs> I mean, and that's fun. right. We went a whole episode and didn't talk about Austin Matthews and how many goals he scored because whatever. I did laugh, though, because if you Do look it at a lot 12 of... more times like Ovechkin. Sure. When, um, if you, it is funny, though, to look and the North Division just owning the scoring race, goals oh, yeah. race. It's oh, all yeah, it's... about the North Division because <laughs> no one plays D. So that's no, cool. no, yeah. definitely not. Well, and we get to play Ottawa and Vancouver quite a few times. So this is true. I don't know what I, the, the Vancouver thing to me is just bewildering. I don't know what's going on there. It's true. I, oh, do you, like what? Do you oh no, I don't know either. Like no, I have no idea either. No, it, I guess those those free agent losses were big enough. I guess, and there's you know, and you know, Elliot Friedman said on his opinion on Thirty One Thoughts was they're just they're quitting on the GM, which is weird. Like, do teams do that? Do players do that? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. sounds a little weird. We can discuss a little bit more next week. Maybe we'll be back on right. Thursday. I don't know exactly what we're doing yet, but we will we figure will, it out. Yeah, we'll be back with some uh, something movie related on Thursday, and then next Monday back off the bench. We'll going over the week that was for the Oilers: two Jets games, two Flames games. So, until then, follow us on social media: uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Two Man Booth, and all three platforms. Check out the website TMBMedia.ca and follow us on Spotify. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and we appreciate every listen we get. And hopefully, another mailbag soon because that was fun when we did it. Uh, weeks ago neil so mm-hmm. uh until thursday nothing else thank you so much so much for listening everybody stay safe stay healthy